I mean, I was sitting at an event once and uh, it was about glass ceilings and they went around the whole room. There was 20 women. And of course, I was the last one. Um, had to be the last one. <laughs> and they were all going on about, oh, you know, pushing through the glass ceiling and it was so tough. And I got and went, what ceiling? Sky's the limit. Hello, and welcome back to the Southern Stars West Cork is the Business podcast. My name is Sean Mahan, and over the course of this series, I'm chatting to some of West Cork's most interesting and accomplished business people about how they made their way in their respective industries and what has driven them to success. If you missed last week's episode, be sure to check it out as we had a really interesting chat with Tim Houston, the CEO of one of West Cork's most exciting business stories, Global Shares. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Jacqueline O'Donovan, OBE, the managing director and owner of O'Donovan Waste Disposal, one of London's leading waste management companies. Now, you might be wondering why, for this episode, I'm talking to a London-based organisation for our West Cork is the Business podcast. Well, that's because Jacqueline and her family hail from Goleen in West Cork, and it was Jacqueline's father, Dennis Joseph O'Donovan, otherwise known as Joe, who left his native county Cork in the 1950s with an ambition to build a successful business in London. And true to his word, he set up a demolition company, which evolved into a waste disposal business in the 1950s, with several depots in London. The company continues to go from strength to strength, and it's recognised as a leading force in the industry in terms of innovation, sustainability, safety and best practice. Today, the company has a turnover in the region of £20 million plus per annum. It employs approximately 150 people, and it was recently acquired by a major Swedish waste disposal organisation. My guest was awarded an OBE in King Charles's 2023 birthday honours for services to recycling, safety and industry. Jacqueline O'Donovan has been one of the leading figures in the UK waste management and recycling industry for more than 36 years. She's transformed the sector's safety and sustainability practices and she's recognised as an industry disruptor and trailblazing female business leader. Jacqueline, I thought it might be useful to go back to the early days to start our conversation and our discussion today. Um, my understanding is that you were born and brought up in Kilburn and then you moved to North London. Tragically, your dad, Joe, passed away at the very early age of just 51 years old. Tell me, what was it like back in those days? What was it like growing up in London in the 70s and the 80s? And how did your dad's tragic young passing affect the family and, and the business? I think um, being the youngest of four, I don't really remember uh, the Kilburn days, uh, County Kilburn as we call it in uh, London. Um, but my brothers and sisters tell me that the English children wouldn't play with the Irish families. So there was um, very strong discrimination. It was the times of no blacks, no dogs, no Irish in the pubs. Uh, so I think my parents must have um, received quite a lot of discrimination for the fact that they were Irish um, and along with the children. So my older brother went to secondary school um, in Kilburn by the time we moved to North London they were demolishing the flat so we were in a one-bedroom flat six of us so we had very very humble beginnings and uh, it was a case of take a council house or council flat or take thousand pounds to buy your own 
and dad chose to take £1,000 and we then moved on to North London where I started school. So I was in a cot until I was five. So I'm a tad claustrophobic, so I'm blaming my parents for that one. <laughs> <laughs> and and, um, and given the, the backdrop, as you said, for, for a lot of Irish people um, uh, in London at that time, I mean, I mean, your dad must have been quite resilient and focused on, on trying to get a business established. Yeah, dad was very focused and very resilient. So dad started um, off in the early days here at Drina Co-op, and it was the time that the first Russian satellite was launched called Sputnik and dad was nicknamed Sputnik and he absolutely detested the name and uh, the reason was because he had to be at the job first so they nicknamed him Sputnik and still to this day and uh, he's dead 38 years this year and still to this day people say are you Sputnik's daughter so people uh, still remember it but he when he left um, West Cork so he was brought up in Goline uh, until he was five and then they moved to Dremel League and when he left the island of Ireland he left with quite a few people I think that will be listening to this podcast will remember like the DFO Sullivan who tragically died in a car accident here in uh, he was based in Skibbereen uh, Tommy Hayes who was in Dunmanway and then there was another gentleman called Goat everybody had a nickname he ran a bar uh, Denny Hurley in Middleton they all came home, Dad stayed with it, and he used to ring Mum. So Mum came in skibbering from Goling for work, and he used to ring Mum at a payphone every Sunday, and then he sent the money over to bring her over to England. So that's how it started, and they both worked extremely hard um, until we moved to North London, and Dad had started to... I suppose, uh, create quite an empire for himself and continued to do so uh, until his early death. So my brother, my older brother got married and three weeks later, dad died. So it was a massive uh, shock to all of us that um, three weeks after the wedding that we had a funeral. And, and that, that, as you say, that was a seismic uh, impact, I presume, on the family as a whole. And, and, and... Once you'd started to um, understand the fact that Dad was no longer around, what what was the process then in deciding what was going to happen with the business and, and how the business would, would, would progress, if at all, from there going forward? I don't think we had a process. Um, I, I think we were, we were all in a state of shock because Dad, one, was only 51. Um, two, we just hadn't thought like that. You know we always just assumed that the older brother who was in the business was just going to carry on with the business and we were going to do other jobs. Um, so I was thinking about being a childminder. Uh, so I had secured my place in an RF camp in Germany to look after one of the officer's uh, children with a school friend of mine. Uh, thank God the children were saved because um, that certainly wasn't wasn't the route that I should have uh, t- taken so everything for a reason um, and I, it wasn't a let's all sit around the table and let's all pull straws it just wasn't done that way I think we had about a two year period because um, I was 17 when dad died and I was 19 when I became managing director and I think that two-year period was just complete and utter turmoil. The two elder siblings were trying to make sense of what they had 
and they just couldn't. I mean, we weren't long out of school. Uh, my older brother had just come out of a lorry because he got married to dad, said he had to take on more responsibilities. Dad was going to take things easier. And then three weeks later, he was no longer. So, yeah, it was a, a very, um, a very, I suppose, really bad turmoil. Um, I stayed at home to look after mum. She was 48. We thought she was ancient. You know, we absolutely thought she was ancient, but she was 48 years old. She was no age. So uh, I was left at home to look after her for a while. Um, and then um, just the way things panned out, my sister went off to have my niece and it was me in the office. We completely downsized. Uh, the two boys went back out in lorries. So we had about five lorries. And my first challenge as MD, because I was in the office, I was MD, I signed. So I had to sign because the boys were out in lorries. So it was, it was no, oh, right, let's pull straws or you'll be better at it or I'll be better at it. It was just a case of it just naturally fell to me, which is quite unusual because I'm the youngest. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, my first challenge was the bank. So I went into uh, Bank of Ireland and the manager called me out of the queue. It's not like these days now where it's all machines. Called me out of the queue and he said, none of you are going to have your dad's business acumen. Uh, you're all far too young, we're closing down the accounts. So that was my first challenge was to go off and find a bank. And obviously, um, with our Irish roots, I wanted to keep it Irish. So we went off to Allied Irish Bank and we stayed with them until last year, until they left, they exited the UK. And I mean, as you said, it sounds like it was a case of needs must. It was a case of sleeves rolled up. We just got to get on with this yep. now as a family. Um, but you were still you were still 19 years of age, as you say. I mean, I, you know, thinking back to all of us when we were 19, we were, we were a bit we were a bit green around the gills at then. And so was it a case of of literally learning on the job? Oh yeah, I I run out of school, two fingers to the teacher. See, like love, I don't need you. <laughs> I mean, she uh, you mean my English teacher and probably English is my worst subject. You know, grammar and spelling um, because I just didn't understand it. They just didn't spend the time back in them days to actually explain why. Um, it was just all just get to the end of the term uh, and tick a box sort of thing. But yeah, she told me I was never going to get a job and uh, if I didn't listen to her. And yeah, so it was two fingers to the teachers. So yeah, had no, no formal education as such. I got no level in art, child development. Um, and I was quite good at maths, thank God. Uh, but other than that, no, uh, school just, I wasn't academic. So in a way, were you quite, even though it was maybe quite daunting, was it quite exciting as well, you, you know, to get stuck into this? Uh... I don't think we had time. We, don't, we didn't have time mm. to even think about whether, how we were going to do it, um, if we were going to do it, and, yeah, whether it was exciting or not. I think it was a case of it just had to be done. Mm -hmm get on with it and I'm very I'm very that way if yeah. I've got something to do it's just got to be done and mm. it will be done um, and and that was just how I I progressed I mean I didn't for one minute think oh my god I'm, I'm 19 and I'm in a male dominated industry it didn't even enter my head mm. um, that that was the case it was a case of the two boys were out in the lorry my sister was having uh, my niece I was in the office someone had to answer the phone and what the business at that point was uh, was it was it demolition or had it started to move into the waste disposal uh, that yeah and that dad moved it into the waste so dad was probably one of the biggest players in London in the waste mm. industry um, it was new to London mm. so uh, we continued in the waste um, we still do demolition uh, but waste was was the key area 
And what was the moment that you realised that you, or you said to yourself, do you know what, I can, I can do this? Um, was there a particular point um, in those early years where you realised, you know, I, could, I can not only run this business, I can evolve this business. I can I can make this business more successful than it currently is. There was one particular moment or or, or, or thing um, that that's, that you managed to achieve that suddenly gave you that 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 confidence. Yeah, I suppose there was a oh moment when we had this small f- a firm of account accountants that done our books, and it was a Jewish man that used to come into the office, and he actually picked his calculator up and he went oh he said oh, I haven't got enough zeros to. For to do the numbers, and then at that point I thought, oh, oh, so can't be doing too bad mm-hmm. then. So then we had to move to we had to get audited accounts, and we we came under different uh, regulations. So um, we had to move accountants. So that was a very oh moment. Yeah. yeah, there could be something in this. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> doing something. Must be doing right. something yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> and look, I mean, you've you've mentioned obviously your. It's a, it's a family-run business. It always has been. It is now. You, you, you work alongside uh, your siblings. Um, any any advice for, for, for other people that are involved in family-run businesses? I presume it has its pros and its challenges, possibly. Do you know what? I, I, I don't come across any challenges um, with working with family. The amount of people that say to me, oh, my God, I see my brother or my sister on Christmas Day and it's enough, well, they do my head in. It, it just isn't like that for us. Um, I think we're a very tight family. I think probably because Dad tragically died when we were all so young. So my older brother would have been 23. I would have been 17. So we were quite young. And I think very early on, we took our lanes and we stayed in our lanes and we complemented each other. And I think they understood that. And I think for any family business, you have to understand that there can be a captain and then you need first officers and officers on the bridge to assist. You can't have more than one captain. And that's where I think conflict in family businesses happen. They were quite happy to leave me, make the decisions to roll the dices on the cases that I had to roll it. And they done their their jobs. And, you know, they had massively important roles as well. But they we all stayed in our lane. Mm. So, so almost a clear, a clear demarcation of areas yeah. of responsibility that complements the, the overall. Yeah, and it, that wasn't evident early on that it, it approached, uh, as we went on, as the years went on and we got bigger, mm-hmm. uh, we could see that we all had clear lines, mm-hmm. that you were better at this and I'm better at that. And uh, we kept within that. And, you know, if there was a massive decision to be made or um, something had come up, then we would all sit round and nine out of ten times, it's whatever you think, Jack, was the answer I got. So I, I, I made the decision and uh, I'm, I can sit here quite happily 36 years doing the role, saying that I've got no regrets in my business or personal life. Yeah. Which I think is quite an achievement considering the length of time I've been in it. So tell me, tell me, um, what drives what drives you? What drives Jacqueline to to, 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 to when you're looking back over those thirty six years to date? And I'm, I'm I'm guessing there's there's quite a bit to come as well, possibly. Um, what what is it that, that, that gets you up every morning? Passion, I've got a massive passion for it. Yeah, um, I absolutely just love it. I just love that every day brings me a new challenge. I love a challenge, um, and I love succeeding at that challenge. Um, 
but yeah, it's just, I just love it. I just love every day. Every day is totally different. Every day, you know, one of my staff will bring a challenge to me uh, and I will give them the options and they go away and they just, they just go, oh, it's just every day is an education here. Uh, and they, they love the fact that I'm able to give them choices and that they can still make their own mind up. So especially on management level, I'm quite aware that I can't take over all the managers' jobs. So what I give them when they come to, uh, say, a T-junction in their thoughts, I give them the option of, you could do it this way or you could do it that way. And then they go away a lot happier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So would you, would you go as far to say, like, I, you sometimes hear a sports person say, do you know what, I feel like I've never worked a day in my life because I love my being a footballer or a tennis player, whatever. Yeah. Is that, yeah. is that yeah. kind of the territory yeah, you're is. in? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. absolutely live and breathe it. I love it. I yeah. absolutely love it, yeah. Yeah, which is a wonderful place yeah. to be, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and particularly with the with the success you've managed to generate around it as well. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I think, it, yeah, I think it's an, an amazing place to be, keeping in mind that I'm the only female in London that does what I do. Uh, so I've had no mentor. I've had nobody that I can phone. I've had nobody that I can bounce off. So it's all happened up here. And in 36 years, I've seen off, we had the business, uh, the construction sector, uh, 80s recession, then we had the financial recession, then we had a downturn with Brexit, mm. then we had COVID. Um, so I'm surprised I'm not growing as a badger <laughs> at this stage. But um, yeah, no, I, every one of them have been challenges that Thankfully, I've rose to and accomplished and, 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 and achieved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there, is there a book in there somewhere, do you think, at some point? Yeah, I'm sure there is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that on another episode, maybe. Um, and look, you've been described um, as an innovator, as a disruptor uh, in your industry. Um, tell me about that. Give me an example of, of this characteristic that, uh, you know, that you've got inside of you and, and, and something that you've you, you brought in or elements that you brought into your business operations over the years that would sort of fit that description. Okay, so in England, the, um, the stats show that agriculture is the worst performing safety-wise uh, and second to that is waste. And it's just something that I wasn't comfortable with. I didn't want to go home worrying that I hadn't done my best. So it's something that I am passionate about, um, making sure that everybody is safe and we're doing everything as safe as possible. Now there's a lot, lots of different components within our industry. So I suppose one of the um, one of the biggest the biggest changes I suppose are, I I could assigned to myself and um, was the direct vision standard came into London uh, and Crossrail. So Crossrail was the Elizabeth line, uh, you probably heard of it over here in Ireland, it went over uh, budget by millions and millions, it was delayed by years, um, but what was happening was they were bringing an awful lot of construction vehicles, so skip lorries, tipper lorries, mixers, you name it, into London. And London actually isn't built for that type of, um, it's just got not got the infrastructure for that type of uh, sudden income of vehicles. So we, we were tasked with um, making the vehicle safer because we were killing vulnerable road users mm-hmm. like cyclists and, and mm-hmm. the like. So um, I looked at what I believe you call it a garbage truck. We call it a dust cart in England. You call it a garbage mm. truck. So the, the lorry that collects your wheelie bins. And if you look at the cab, 
it's got like a bus door on the passenger mm. side. So I looked at it and I thought, I wonder if I put a skip loader on the back of that, that we would give the driver way better vision out of the vehicle. He's lower, so he can gain eye contact then with the cyclist and pedestrians. And it gives him 30% bigger windscreen and obviously a complete glass door down the passenger side. So I went away and I ordered two, which was back in 2015. And it was a massive financial commitment. Um, probably my biggest decision financially in a long time. Uh, and they worked. Uh, now every single person in London has got one of these lorries with a high ab on the back, a tipper on the back, a cement mixer on the back. Uh, so what I find when they call me the trailblazer, the reason I trailblaze is because I am the first to think of it. And I find with the men of the industry, one does it, then they all follow. So I do it, they all follow. So um, yeah, I, I have to, I think of these things and go for them for the right reasons. And that was the right reason. Um, so we have halved uh, deaths in London from 2018 to 2021. So- Which is fantastic, across across the, the industry sector. Well, across London. Across London, sorry, yeah, in, uh, yeah, yeah. in London. So yeah. in London, yeah. so mm. um, yeah. So we've got now a direct vision standard, which uh, they're, they're tri it's like a star rating. So the vehicles that I'm talking about are five star. Um, so you can go from one to five, and in October it goes three to five. They're knocking out one and two, uh, the older vehicles. So, yeah, that was a that was a massive change that I created within our industry within London. That was like, oh, we'll have that only for me. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. bit of yeah. a surreal moment. Yeah, fantastic, yeah. fantastic. Well, yeah, I mean, I remember reading how the the, the deaths in London were, were yeah. increasing all the time and left turning lorries and all that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, so, yeah, it was actually um, left turning lorries and female cyclists. And they could never ever collate the two. They could okay. never understand why it was females mm. um, and why it was left turning because we've got an alarm that says this vehicle is turning left. Mm. So it, it sh sort of shouts at you. Um, but yeah, but the stats are showing that the deaths are coming down, thankfully. Fantastic. So, Fantastic. Yeah. Well done. Congratulations. Hello. I hope you're enjoying this episode of our West Cork is the Business podcast. There's plenty more to come, but I just wanted to let you know that entries for the West Cork Business and Tourism Awards 2023 are now open. Entering the awards is free and easy and provides your business with a great opportunity to get recognised for all the brilliant work you do in West Cork. We have eight categories which cater to all types of businesses, big and small, across all sectors. So enter now for the chance to be crowned overall West Cork Business of the Year for 2023. The West Cork Business and Tourism Awards are brought to you by the Southern Star in partnership with Carberry. Visit www.westcorkbusinessandtourismawards.ie today. And so tell me, um, I mean, I think fairly recently, um, um, uh, Sotera, if I'm pronouncing yeah. uh, the name correctly there, uh, which is a Swedish company, part of Nordic Capital, one of Europe's leading waste solutions and recycling companies, recently acquired O'Donovan Waste Disposal. Um, so tell me a little bit about the, the background to that, why you felt the time was right for, for that acquisition to take place and, and how, how will that benefit the company going, going into the future? Um, the time being right, I don't know about the time being right, because it took about two years to get across the line. Um, 
So my older brother was approaching uh, a substantial birthday and he said, you know what, I've had enough. So uh, it was right, okay. So I went out and I picked Grant Thornton to do the deal for us and we got hit with COVID. Uh, then we got hit with my older brother and his wife having a serious car accident, which was another six months delay. And then we got hit by COVID again. Um, so we eventually we finally got there uh, and we got it over the line. Uh, so Terra means salt in Swedish and they are known for the construction demolition industry waste um, disposal company of Europe. So yeah, they wanted to break into, into England and they obviously came for the best. Absolutely. The cream of the crop. <laughs> <laughs> and am I right in thinking you're still in situ as, as managing director? I am still in situ as managing director. It's quite funny. They, they came over and um, never having business schooled or anything like that. I, I just do things um, as I know best. But they came over with a 100-day plan. And 100-day plan? Well, what's going to happen on 101 day? Um it was very peculiar, but all of a sudden this 100-day plan sort of disappeared. and I didn't take any notice, but um, they've made their second acquisition in London now. Uh, so jointly we've got a 60 million turnover uh, in London at the moment. And uh, they said, yeah, we just left the 100-day plan because you were, you were just absolutely busting through the numbers. So they just left me to it. So I've probably seen them for about six hours in the last 14 months. They've probably got the impression that you kind of know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah slowly, yeah, <laughs> it's sinking in. And, and, and how do you see, uh, I mean, just think about the future, not, not, not just for, for a Donovan waste disposal, but, but the, the industry as a whole, how do you see, do you see any developments in, uh, you know, for the future of the waste disposal industry in terms of environmental standards and the whole move, movement to, 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 you know, having higher environmental standards and recycling? Is that, is that the way yeah, it's... Yeah, um, it's, it's slow. Um, it's disappointingly slow. So we, we went last October to sustainably sourced biofuel, which is basically vegetable oil. Uh, so we use no fossil fuel in our road-going vehicles whatsoever. And I approached the COP26 Sharma for a comment and he said because we were a commercial entity he wouldn't give us a comment we even went to Greta Thunberg couldn't get a hold of her uh, we went to Greenpeace they didn't even get back to us and when you make such a massive move like that and that is a massive move you know COP the COP um, the whole of the COP organisation want no fossil fuel so for us for a small medium-sized company to come out and say, yes, we can do this. We're now showing the rest of the SMEs that you can do this. And this is what I find is sort of my role, that I come out and do it first and then everybody else follows because they think, well, if she can do it, we can do it. Um, so I was very disappointed no one was going to back that massive move because it was 50 pence a litre more than diesel. Right. So, but as you can see, I mean, the wildfires in Greece and all sorts, you know, we have got to tackle climate change. It's, it's not going to go away. And the sooner people realise uh, and sit up and smell the coffee, um, the sooner we will get on. But even to the point where I've mentioned to my management team, you know, we need to put weather on our agenda because the weather is, is changing 
so catastrophically. I mean, the floods we're getting and all sorts. And of course, that then impacts on the numbers, then the forecast, the budgets we're doing mm-hmm. aren't going to be the same as the ones we did five, ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. And moving to biofuel, so you weren't playing around the edges, you actually went 100%, you went 100%. the whole hog, and, and, yeah. and which strikes me as very much the style of your, yeah. your, your management style. And Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it's in for a penny, in for a pound. Mm-hmm. There's no point doing it in, in half measures. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, I'm not going to deny it, we're not the cheapest skip company in London, nor do we ever want to be, but we are the greenest without mm-hmm. a shadow of doubt. The green mm-hmm. credentials are just phenomenal. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, since COVID, where we were seeing prior to COVID, that compliance was sort of taking over from price. Uh, compliance was becoming king, not price. Now king's uh, price is back as king. Uh, and it's all about the pound note bottom line, um, which I get, you know, COVID wasn't fun uh, for a lot of companies. Um, but it's just a bit disappointing that we made so much progress and now we've gone back to where we were years ago. So let's talk a little bit about your, we've touched on it slightly, um, in terms of, of, of leadership, um, I think you've given us a few points already to your style as a leader. How, how would you describe your, your management style? Uh, I think it's quite inclusive. Um, I think communication's key. Um, and I think the fact that I'm very rare in the fact that I've done every single job in my business so I've done and understand the frustrations of credit control when they're ringing looking for money. I understand the frustrations of the purchase department when they're trying to get copy invoice. So I think I, my biggest strength is that I know my accounts. I know every job within that organisation and I know every part about that job. So then that, that leaves me the ability to be able to communicate better with the person that's in that role and they feel part of the family, not the same, the family, mm. because I can give the sympathy when I need it or I can give direction when mm. I need it. And presumably, as you said earlier, give them, the, give them informed choices. Yeah, informed choices, um, yeah. Mm. I think it's really, really important that I don't tell them what to do all the time, that I give them uh, options because I think people need to be able to decide themselves which way to go. So would you say that's a good bit of advice for a chief executive and MD in any company, that whether or not they go and actually work in every department, that's always not possible or practical, but they, they, they should get under the skin of the, how their business operates. They've they, they got, they got to know yeah. the nuts and bolts of their business. I, I think so, yeah. Um, I think, you know, how can you expect... You can't dictate to your staff, I think, Unless you, unless you just want people that are going to go yes yes mm. people all the time and to me I don't want people to say yes I want people to come up to me with challenges I love a challenge uh, and if they've got a challenge well right okay well let's you know um, let's see how we can tackle this challenge um, I really don't believe in stress uh, and I think that's probably a big part of my leadership um, role is that I don't get stressed. I think stress is a seed you sow yourself and you allow it you allow that seed to grow as big as you choose to let it grow. Anxiety, totally different. I, I get it's a chemical reaction within the body and that a lot of people suffer from it and, and why they suffer from it and COVID was very evident uh, about how different people suffered from it. But stress I think is something that you sow. So yeah, I don't I don't raise my voice. I I encourage 
that if there's been a little bit of a cock up that you come in let's talk about right what's gone wrong let's how do we make it right is paramount for me so yeah communication is a real big thing for me and presumably you that that, that cascades down through your management oh, team yeah. and staff that yeah. if, 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 if the leader isn't exhibiting too much yeah. stress or any stress, then hopefully that's... Oh, yeah, yeah. When I go, I mean, I've never had a touring holiday in my whole life. Um, but if I go away, so I might I might take, if it's a bank holiday, get 10 days in. Um, but when I'm away, it's like, the only way I can describe it, it's like a, a boat in choppy waters. And then when I arrive back, it's like the anchor's back down. It's really bizarre. And everybody goes, thank God you're back. But nothing's happened, mm-hmm. but they just get that sense of, Calmness. And security, perhaps. And security, and, and, yeah. And, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And when you're on these ten days holidays, do you have a holiday, or are you what kind of what kind of holiday person are you? Um, well, my happy place is Golin. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I will do my emails in the morning. Um, phone's always on. You know, when you're in a position like mine, you and you've got as many staff as me, you can't go. Oh, you're not answering me. Um, they tend to leave me alone. They know that um, I work extremely hard, so they try and give me that break but yeah the, the head just keeps going the ideas keep flowing uh, and they probably dread when I come back off holiday to be honest because I've, I've thought of another 10 new ideas <laughs> here we go yeah, oh my god she's back god help us it's all buckling <laughs> enjoy the ride yeah. <laughs> um Jacqueline any any advice um for, for, for women who may be starting out, or, or maybe starting out, are, are currently um, involved in, as, as you did right at the outset, what you described as, as a male-dominated industry. Um, any particular advice from your 36 years of... Yeah, I think, I think women need to, especially the ones in male-dominated industries, and I mentor a handful of women, uh, and I'm only glad to. I really think it's important that people that have gone as far as I have in industry that they don't wheel the ladder up behind them, that they bend down and pull the next woman up with them. So uh, I'm a real advocate for mentoring and assisting women. It's a male-dominated industry because women, generations back, decades back, chose to stay at home and be mothers. So the only thing that's going to change male domination is time. So as we move on in time, women are going to want to get into different industries and then that word male domination probably Mm. won't even exist. Um, maybe not in my lifetime but definitely in my child's lifetime um, so I would my, my my advice to them is ignore how many men versus how many women and to own their skills I don't know how many women I meet that are shook by how many men are in the room who sit there confidently so it's like the CEO question I was asked once so somebody asked me um, do you think there's a difference between a male CEO and a female CEO? And I said, yes, I do. I said, I think the male CEO gets the role, puts the suit on and comes in and like as if he owns the place. The female CEO gets her suit on. She feels she has to work extra hours to prove that she can do her role. So that's the difference. Women need to own their skill set and not be apologetic about it. Um, and I think they doubt and I think it's probably just a male female thing um but yeah they shouldn't doubt now people was I mean I was sitting at an event once and uh, it was about glass ceilings 
and they went around the whole room. There was 20 women, and of course I was the last one. Um, had to be the last one. <laughs> and they were all going on about, oh, you know, pushing through the glass ceiling, and it was so tough. And I got and went, what ceiling? Sky's the limit. And that's as, as far as I'm concerned, that is the case. It is there is no ceiling there. Sky is the limit. Take it as far as you want it. Just get on with it. Get on with it and go for it. Yeah, go yeah. for it. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think the environment is improving over? Uh, have you seen an improvement in in business in in general, not just in your industry necessarily? Uh, do, do you see that there are more women in senior management positions than there were maybe thirty years ago? Yes, uh, definitely. But I also see an awful lot of women that make it to CEO and then pull the ladder back up, which really irritates me. Because if if younger women can't see us, they can't be us. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think it's really important that women show other women how they how they dealt with different challenges and and different events and you know different scenarios. Uh, but yeah, there is there definitely is. Uh, a change um, and I've got to be honest and, and people probably people probably disagree with me but I actually think there's a, a better proportion of female male in Ireland than there is in England I think it's more weighted towards the men uh, male domination in, in Ireland in England more than it is in Ireland you, yeah you could you could well be yeah. right there there are, I mean there are a lot of there are a lot of mm. senior women in, in CEO positions yeah. and senior management positions yeah. in, 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 in blue chip organizations yeah. Um, and there's a lot of very successful family-oriented businesses as yeah. well, where where women are, you know run the show. Um, so yeah, yeah, you, you could well yeah, be right. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, the court chamber had me talking there recently, and I was really pleasantly surprised with it was nearly a fifty-fifty split in the room. Mm -hmm. And I, in, if that was London now, it, it would be probably I'd be lucky if it was a quarter women. Right. Uh, I would predominantly be talking to men unless it was a. A female uh, event where it would be all be all females. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And any particular advice for um, men or women, uh, young men or women who might just be starting out on whatever their chosen career path is? What 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 little pearl of wisdom would you give somebody who 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 you know has the aspiration to be successful? Listen, listen, listen to what people around them are saying, and then never ever doubt your gut. That's what I would say. So many people, when I was younger, and I'd listen, and I'd doubt myself, and then I'd go, shouldn't have doubted myself. So yeah, having having done 36 years, yeah, I would never have doubted myself as much. Um, so yeah, don't doubt yourself. Go with your gut. If you believe you can do it, you probably, yeah. you probably can. Yeah. So talking about something that was very exciting, I'm assuming it was very exciting quite recently, um, and I, I look, the heartiest congratulations, you were awarded an OBE, Order of the British Empire, uh, in King Charles's 2023 mm -hmm. Birthday Honours for Services to Recycling, Safety and Industry. Was this a surprise? Did you have an inkling that this yeah. was coming or did it yeah. just come out as a bolt out of the blue? It was a bolt out of the blue, yeah. So somebody obviously put me up. Um, I've heard since it was done probably eight years ago. Um, so, yeah, to get the... First of all, the letter came from uh, a strange place. Uh, it wasn't, you know, Buckingham Palace or anything like that. So I was looking at it. Yeah. And then it was on it um, that he had honoured me with a, an OBE. And it was like, whoa. So I haven't collected yet. Oh, you haven't collected yet? Right. No, so okay. I've got to wait for the phone call. I get mm -hmm. to choose Windsor or Buckingham Palace. And do you have a leaning? Um, Buckingham, I yeah, think. Has I've to got be to do Buckingham, yeah. uh, seeing as I'm a London-based. Uh, yeah. 
And then I think Anne, Princess Anne, is a tremendous role model for females. So I wouldn't mind Anne or Charles. Um, mm. I think William's probably a bit young for me. So uh, <laughs> in more ways than one. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I think, I, I think I'd like Anne or Charles. Obviously, Charles being... Uh, the top choice because he's yeah. king. And, will you, and will you, I presume you you'll know in advance, will you? No, 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 no. Right. You get to okay. choose. You get to pick it. You get a couple of dates. You get to choose your location, but you will not know till you get there on the day. Yeah. Right. So yeah. Exciting. So uh, yeah, I'm yeah. going to be wearing Irish. I as Philip Tracy will be doing my hat, and I, I'm hoping to get an Irish um, dressmate. I've got a couple of Irish uh, designers in London that I'm gonna. Well, listen, congratulations, and I hope you'll allow us to put a photograph. If, we, if there is a photograph oh, in the yeah. Southern Star... I'm with, sure there'll be plenty of photos. I'm sure there'll be a few. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, it's, I mean, I think it's absolutely wonderful. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we really do congratulate you Thank on it. You. And, and well-deserved. And look, these things don't come without a lot of a lot yeah. of hard work. So. I don't think it's hit me yet, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. probably when I have to go to the Paris, it will be... Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it hasn't really hit me. And presumably a, a little bit of a... A drink or two afterwards, possibly. Oh, yes, no, we will celebrate. No, I'm not going to lie, I love a party. <laughs> <laughs> and look, you were recently also honoured at the inaugural Business Post Global Irish Diaspora Awards in London. These awards, they celebrate the achievements of the Irish diaspora worldwide, and you were awarded the Business Leader of the Year title yeah. at the event, which was, again, quite an honour. Um, must have been a, a lovely award to massive to, honor, to, yeah. to, to to receive. Yeah, uh, massive honour. Um, I really didn't expect it. I, I wasn't I wasn't there to collect the award. I actually took a whole table of females. So because it's such a male dominated industry, I like to take a whole uh, table of guests of females. And uh, yeah, when my name was read out, it was a real shock. Yeah, and what an honour! It was uh, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, just yeah. being part of that diaspora exactly. yourself, and yeah. then and then being yeah. recognised. Be recognised. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. Yeah. And look, I, it it comes through in space just meeting you today. You're you're so proud of your Irishness and your Irish heritage, yeah. and your Irish roots. Um, I know you're a big supporter of the Irish community in London and the United Kingdom as a whole. Uh, you're involved in a number of projects, including the the St Patrick's Day parade uh, and ball. Uh, most recent, recently, the launch of an Irish archive at the London Irish Centre, which um, I believe is, to, as I think this is your words actually, to preserve the history of the stories, letters, tapes and recordings of Irish emigrants that travelled to the UK. And as we know, there were tens, if not hundreds of thousands, um, including my own, my own, uh, my own grandma uh, was one of those as well. Um, and, and, and a lot of them, again, as you put, were known as the men who built Britain. And I think that's something you want to shine more of a spotlight on, isn't it? Yeah, I really do. You know, mm -hmm. look, I'm not going to lie. If I had a magic wand, I'd give myself an Irish accent. Um, <laughs> I, I really do think that no matter where you are in the world, the minute you hear an Irish accent, you go, oh, you're from Ireland, where are you from? And I do that. And they look at me because I've got an English accent. Mm -hmm. And then I feel that I can't say that I'm Irish because I've got an English accent. So I have to say all my parents were from or are from West Cork. Um, so I, I just think it's just something unique the Irish have throughout the whole world that no matter where you are, your, your voice is so identifiable and people automatically want to ask you where you're from. Um, I, uh, uh, coming from parents that, you know, came over when it was quite tough here in Ireland. Um, I think it's it's really important, you know. I, I, I remember, you know, when we used to have to pile in the car, Dad used to shove me in the footwell and put a blanket over me because, you know, it was extra money to pay for the children. 
So uh, I used to go unnoticed in the football until we got on the boat and then I'd come out from underneath the blanket. That was quite funny to think of mm -hmm. where we are today. Um, and I don't want my son um, or my nieces and nephews to forget what my mum and dad went through to give us a better life. And I think that because there's so many Irish in Britain with children with the same accent as me, we've got a massive issue of that could be forgotten. Mm. And I don't want it to be forgotten Irish because England wouldn't be England without the Irish. Mm. They did build the roads, they did build the houses, you know, it, it, Ireland built Britain mm. um, and they're still doing it. You know, mm. when you look at, you look at the massive size of some of the companies throughout the whole, you know, length and breadth of England and the little tiny villages that they came from and the humble beginnings that they came from. Mm -hmm. I just, I, I am just so, so proud of the island of Ireland for the size of it, mm -hmm. the, um, how small the, the population was and globally, look at what they've done. Mm -hmm. It's just, and, and yeah, I, I'm really conscious that the more that speak like me, the more we're going to forget it. So we're looking, so we've got the archives, they're in the Metropolitan Museum kept under a, temperature conditions um, and we're looking they stopped in the early 70s so we're looking at bringing it from the 70s up to the 90s to see if we can fill in the gaps and and I really do hope that if I do that that someone else maybe my son maybe my nieces or nephews might then take it on to the next stage and, and keep that that, that history rolling because I think it's so so important and is it is this for the UK as a whole or London to start with or no the whole UK, the whole yeah. UK. yeah yeah Fantastic. so we're just we're just prepping at the moment to how we're going to capture the stories mm. because I suppose what what brought it home to me was uh, I've got a bachelor uncle in German League in in the home and he's the last person of that era in his homeland in Goline and it's like so now all the stories are gone so I don't want to lose any mm -hmm. more stories that we might possibly yeah. have. Um, yeah. And I think it's really important that that is kept in history. I would agree. I think it's a fantastic initiative. I mean, obviously, I told you earlier, I'm, I'm from Sheffield. I can yeah. vouch for it. My grandparents, same thing. I mean, and the Irish community in Sheffield, huge Irish community over the generations that built half of Sheffield. Yeah. Same as Manchester, same as Liverpool. Yeah. And um, yeah, and, and, and obviously that generation have, have passed away and mm -hmm. it is their... Um, it is their descendants now, but it but it's you know it's 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 thinning out a bit. So I think it's it's really important to 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 capture those as you say those yeah. stories and, and and memories. And the memories and the stories are just so hilarious. Uh -huh. Absolutely. Mean, yeah, you mean life? I think has got very um, regulatory. Everything's got you know regulations. You can't ask the age. You can't ask this. You got to do this. You got to do that. So to actually sit down and just let them tell you the stories about. The skullduggery that they were up to and how they had to do it because they couldn't afford to do it the right way and yeah it's just you I mean my older brother's only eight years older than me but the stories he could tell are just hilarious and then you get the gang and people start getting bigger and bigger because they want to hear about the history so yeah i think it's really important i'm really looking forward to the project yeah, fantastic. Well, good luck with that. And uh, again, it's something we'd love to uh, keep keep tabs on at the Southern yeah. Star because, uh, yeah, if, if anything we can do to help there uh, um, from this side of the water, let us know. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of bring us all the way back round now to what you described as your happy place earlier, which is yeah. Goline and and, and West Cork. Yeah. So so just tell us 
Tell us what it what it is you love. So obviously, I know your your, your mum and dad hail from here, but but outside of that, what else do you love about this part of the world? Oh, I don't know. It just has this magical um, effect on me. I just feel like it's, <sighs> and I just feel just so relaxed. Uh, I get such clarity. Uh, I just I can just sit watching um, the fastnet and the weather go past for hours and hours. But yeah, I can't do that anywhere else. It just gives me that ability to breathe and to let my brain breathe and to just live, um, I suppose, a little slower pace, mm -hmm. a little bit more of a normal slower pace yeah. as opposed to having my business head on and, yeah. And what's your um, what's your favourite West Cork thing to do or your perfect West Cork day? If just sit, right? sit looking out the window and watch the weather go by. That's it? Yeah. Nice and simple. Yeah, nice and simple. Keep it simple. It sounds like the antidote to your yeah. other busy, yeah. not stressful, because you no, don't get stressed. No, I don't get stressed. Um, Everything's a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> no such thing as stress. Yeah, it's all challenge. Yeah, no, I love it, yeah. It's very, it's very... Uh, go, go, go in, in London. Mm. I mean, I would be out four, if not five nights a week at business events, okay. uh, the Irish Embassy, mm. and hold events or other events. And then uh, it's a full day in the office. So it is go, go, go. So mm. when I get here, it's just, yeah, take it nice and easy. And the food is just so much better and everything tastes so differently. And yeah. I've really enjoyed our conversation today. Thank, Thank you so much. I found it very insightful. I actually think there's things I'm going to take from this conversation and, and bring back into my life as a manager. Yeah. So uh, thank you for that. You're um, it's, it's a pleasure to meet you. Thank you, um, you um, I think, are quite an inspiring and uh, driven person, but also great, great fun to have a conversation with as well. Oh, so uh, have fun. Life's for living. <laughs> my motto. <laughs> And I want to thank you, especially, I know I know you've come over to visit a family member as well, but you've, you've taken time out specially to come over and visit us here at the Southern Star today, which is absolutely brilliant. So we're, you're welcome anytime. Thank you. Um, so Jacqueline O'Donovan, uh, Managing Director of O'Donovan uh, Waste Disposal. Thank you very much for your time thank today. You. And uh, thank you for being on the West Cork Is The Business podcast. Lovely. I'm well, thank you. I'm, I'm absolutely honoured to be uh, invited. Thanks for listening to the West Cork Is The Business podcast. We'll be back again next week with another episode, this time featuring owner and managing director of Roa Pharmaceuticals, Brigitte Wagner-Halswick. If you've enjoyed this episode, please rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, the West Cork Business and Tourism Awards are now open for 2023. The awards are brought to you by the Southern Star in partnership with Carberry. So visit westcorkbusinessandtourismawards.ie to enter your business today. Thanks for listening.